Good morning. morning. Caleb already fussed at you for not being rowdy, so I'm just going to leave that and and say that he was correct, um, that that God's people are rowdy people, and this morning is a great morning. And as the psalmist says, right, like, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord, right? Like, not I was glad when they got all the songs right, or I was glad when my best friend showed up, but just I was glad uh, that I had the opportunity today to come up into God's presence. And, man, I'm thankful for that. I'm ready for that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to see what God has for us. Anybody? Yeah. Amen. Cool. I'll just keep going until I get my reaction that I want. So, uh, I mean, you know, got a clock back there. Um, but man, just so excited to be here this morning, to be with you guys. If you have a Bible, you can go to Philippians 2. That's where we're going to be. Uh, but before we get too far, I just want to remind you, because we didn't have them in all the chairs this morning, and maybe you weren't here last week, so I'll just kind of fill you in. But uh, on that back table back there, we have some little cards, and on those cards it says... Um, 120 Trailmaker backpacks on it, which is a cool little name. I think that maybe is the brand and the and amount we want. I don't think anybody come up with like an Operation Backpack or anything for that. It's just our goal and the name of the backpack. Um, but what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks is we're just looking to take up money for backpacks, um, which I know sounds maybe crazy. What are we going to do with 120 backpacks? Well, I hope the question we're asking is what are we going to do with like 350 backpacks is what I'm hoping um, because not only are God's people uh, rowdy people, but they're also a generous people, uh, right? Serve a generous God who gave the most precious thing in the entire universe, his son, so that we could be with him. And the response to that is not, thanks for that, I'm going to do my thing, but thanks for that, and I'm going to in turn be generous um, so people can know what God's done for me. And um, what we're looking to do, it's, it's really crazy, um, is take up like $7.35 for these backpacks and it. That'll get you not only a backpack, but like 12 different things in that backpack. And I don't know what all those things are, uh, but I would assume like they're school supplies, uh, not toys probably. Um, but we're looking to take that up and um, to pass those out to some kids. Uh, hopefully, we'll get all the kids that need a backpack at East Knox. And then we'll get all the kids that need a backpack at Ritta. And then we'll get all the kids that need a backpack in other schools because we'll be looking for schools to give these things to. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, because what I know is like 735 maybe doesn't sound like much, right? But 735 uh, with, the, with the heart of generosity, with the people of God, um, man, that can be a big thing. 735, I can buy a backpack, but 735 today we could buy like, what, 50 backpacks? It's pretty awesome to me. Uh, see, it's a powerful thing when the community of God gets together and decides we want to do a thing, right? And uh, I just am believing big things for this. So um, anyway, I, I'm believing in that. It's more than just buying a backpack. It's saying we love you and we see you. And we're not looking for what you can do for us today, right? I think we get ministry backwards sometimes. And we're like, if we do this, then God, just, he's got to do this or we're not going to do it, right? we go invite people, then people got to show up or we're not going to invite people. Or we go buy backpacks and they better start coming to church here. Ministry is not ever about what they can do for us. It's always about what we can do for them in the name of somebody that's done a great thing for us. So anyway, I, I'm done with that this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm believing big things and I just can't wait to see what the God who's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine will do with that. So anyway, love you guys. Um, that's a good thing. Believe it. Um, and this morning we're going to be in Philippians 2. We're going to continue talking about unity, but before we do that, I just need to pray. I mean, I'm ready today for what God's going to do. Are you? 
I'm, I'm just ready to see God move in an amazing way. I'm ready to see God move in a way that changes not only me um, when I leave this place, but us when we leave this place. So let's just pray that God would do that, can we? Father God, this morning we're believing you for big things. We're believing that you're the God who opens the eyes of the blind and unstops the deaf ears, God, and, and starts those hearts that um, have stopped. And God, this morning that's what we're praying for in this place, maybe physically, maybe not physically. Um, but God, what we know is that, God, if there's anybody in this place, that doesn't know you today is a great day for that if there's anybody in this place that's far for you today is a day that you're calling them close and God this morning we're just praying that this would be more than just somebody's opinion and thoughts on some word that was written hundreds of thousands of if not thousands of years ago but God that today um, it's the life-changing life-altering word of God uh, from you to us and God this morning I need it Uh, more than probably anybody in this place. But God, if there's anybody in this place that's like me that just needs it, I pray, God, this morning that you'll find them. Uh, You're already moving in that way. I'm just praying your will this morning. So God, we love you and we thank you. It's going to be good. Amen. Man, uh, if you got your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Philippians 2. going to continue this series on, uh, on unity called Come Together taking a drink. I didn't know if we'd have the music or not. I just thought it'd be a good place to take a drink of water. It's too late now. Don't pull it up. Um, But um, anyway, this morning we're going to continue that series uh, called Come Together. So excited about this series. If you've not been here, it's just a series on church unity. Um, Woo, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm excited about it. I don't care if you are. Um, Church unity is, is an amazing thing. It really is. It's a thing I believe in, because here's the real deal today. Until the church is a unified church, the church will never be an effective church, right? It's not going to do much for us or the world if we're just a country club full of people that come in, pay our dues, and get what we want. That's not what the church was ever meant to be. It wasn't about if I put my money in, you do the thing that I want, and you sing the music I like. That was never it. It was the group of people of God that got together and heard the word of God and then responded to the work of God uh, to change the world right? That's what Jesus sees when he, when he sees the church, and I believe in that today. I want to say today up front, I'm not talking about this for the past few weeks or even today because there's anything that I know of going on. Uh, some people get shaky, right, when you start talking about unity because um, we've been around preachers that weaponize the word, right? Uh, just preach to the people we want to preach to, right? Like, oh, I know this thing's going on, so I'm going to do the thing over there. If I ever do that, please get rid of me. Um, That's not what the Word of God was meant to be. It's not a sword to beat you with. It's just what God is speaking to us today. And um, anyway, I'm excited about church unity because I believe in it. And I believe if we can ever get around it, right? Maybe not is what the church is known for today. Ask anybody out there, do you, what do you think of when you think about the church? They're not like, oh, unity and love and peace and harmony, right? <laughs> so they, that's not what we're known for, unfortunately. We're known for kind of the opposite of that, that we don't get along and we quarrel and we fight over stupid things. And the world sees that. And really, if we're honest, we see that. But it's not what God sees and not what God intended when he saw the church. And that's why he spends a large portion of the Bible, um, last half of it anyway, talking about this idea of unity in the church. But before we get there, we've got to know what unity means so definition of unity back here is uh, the quality or state of not being multiple or this idea of oneness that, that we are one thing we talked last week about being many parts right? so you might be like oh, it's that's the opposite of last no we're many parts but we're one 
body, right? We're one entity. We might all be different parts of that. We might all be different puzzle pieces, but we make one puzzle. It's number two, a condition of harmony, and it's got like that little word uh, called accord, and basically what that means is that we get along. (laughs) That's a message for the church in itself right there, right? Like, amen, hallelujah, we're done today. If we could get that, we got everything else. Um, And then number three, it's this quality or state of being made one or unification that it's this process unity is a process of being made one i just want to say that out loud today because i think sometimes we get in our head that it's just going to be like okay done boom we're unified right like thank you for last week we're, we're unified now we're ready to go and that's just not how it works that'd be great if that's how it works but it's not how it works because we are different people right different backgrounds, different histories, different opinions. We got different baggage, all that stuff. And God is weaving us together into one body called the church. And how he does that is he's got to teach us um, to get along, the idea of harmony and accord. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Philippians 2. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get there. Um, I'm just excited about this word. Philippians is a letter. Um, That's cool. It's not a book. It'd be a short book. That'd be awesome. You like to read? Oh, yeah. Five chapter books are my favorite. Um, This is a letter. Didn't come with chapters and verses. It was just written like if I was to write a letter to you, and it was written by a man named Paul to the church at Philippi. When I say church at Philippi, I don't mean like one room together. It'd be like writing to the church at Knoxville, right? Like all the people that are part of the church in Knoxville. It's a region or area, and this is written to those people. And he's writing it largely about how to live out our faith, how to be a Christian. Uh, I love this idea um, because I think if we were to say today, uh, who's been discipled? There'd be very few people in the church that raised your hand, right? I've never been, in the formal meaning, I've never been discipled. There was never anybody that just sat down with me on Tuesday nights at the Chick-fil-A and walked me through the Bible and taught me how to live out Christianity. The church unfortunately quit that years ago. So for probably everybody, or at least most everybody in the church, we've never been discipled. And we use that sometimes, right, as an excuse. Like, oh, I don't, I, nobody ever showed me. What was amazing, though, is through these letters in the New Testament, you can actually just go and allow Paul to disciple you, to teach you how to live out your Christian life. And you can allow Peter and James and some of these other guys. So if you've never been discipled, I just have a challenge for you, and it's something I'm doing right now. Just go start at the letters to the churches. And just start reading, right? Like go to Romans. That's the first one, at least flipping through the Bible. Go to Romans, read that. First, second Corinthians, read that. And then just kind of go through there. And if it looks like it's a city name or a region name, that's for you. If it's Timothy, he's talking to Timothy. It'll still be good stuff. But read the letters to the churches. You can, you can let um, Jesus disciple you through these things. It's just kind of beautiful. Uh, we don't have to have that excuse anymore. Um, So I'm just kind of challenging you on that. It'd be fun if we could all be disciples, so go do it. Um, But this morning, (laughs) we're going to focus specifically on church unity, and it's something he talks about in Philippians 2. And he starts out um, with this um, series of um, four statements. And he says, if then there is any encouragement, we'll get to that word in a minute, uh, in Christ, if any consolation of love if any fellowship with the Spirit, and if any affection and mercy. He just, he just throws out these words, these statements. And what he's saying is if there are these things, 
then there should be a result of these things. If there's really anything to this faith that you say that you have, then, then there should be a result to that faith. And he, and he just clips through some of those things so we can see if we agree with these things today. He says, if there is any encouragement, do we have the definition for encouragement? Encouragement is to give support, confidence, or, here's the key, hope to someone. What, what's he saying here? If there is any hope in Christ... Now, I think probably if we know Jesus today, hopefully anyway, we can say that there is some real hope in Christ, that we're hoping for heaven, that we're hoping that God's not going to leave us kind of where we are to just wallow in our sin, that, that we're not going to go to hell, but we have another option today. There, there's hope in Christ. Hopefully we can get around that idea, and he is speaking to the church here, so it should be a group of people that are saved and know Jesus, and he's just throwing out this statement, if there's anything, uh, if there's any hope in Jesus is what he's saying. Next if statement is, if any consolation of love. If there's any consolation of love, we have consolation, I think, too. It's from a word meaning console. Man, it's to comfort or comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment. It's this idea of comfort. To console someone is to comfort someone. He says, if there's any comfort in, in this love of Jesus, if there's any hope if there's any comfort and then he says if there's any fellowship with the spirit i don't think i did the definition for fellowship because we should know what that is uh but but this idea of community or communion with the spirit that we have the holy spirit and the holy spirit's in us he's part of our lives he says if there's anything to this holy spirit thing if there's any affection we have affection up there affection is just a feeling of liking or caring for someone or something, tender attachment, if there's any affection. And then he says, if there's any, i um, lost my spot here for a minute, but I think mercy's the next one, is that right? If there's any mercy. And mercy's just compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone. And I love this part because we always think of forgiveness, but shown towards someone whom it's in with one power to punish or harm, Right? Mercy is not just forgiveness. Mercy is forgiveness, and we shouldn't receive forgiveness. It's that God has the power to harm us and to punish us and to kind of cast us off and throw us away, but he chooses not to because he forgives us. That's mercy. So he puts all these statements together, and he's saying if there's any hope, right, if there's any comfort in the love of God, if there's any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if we even have the Holy Spirit, if there's any affection, if there's any love, and if there's any mercy, if there's any forgiveness, then there should be a response to those things. What he's saying here is he's setting up this idea that we have a cause and effect faith. Right, we a lot of us have like a cause faith, right? Like uh, I believe in Jesus, and because I believe in Jesus, I'm forgiven, and I have love, and I'm I'm a good person now. We have all that kind of stuff, but not all of us have an effect faith, right? And what I mean by that is in a, a faith that causes an effect in our life, a faith that actually does something. See, faith is just words unless it actually does something in you. And he's saying here that, that there should be a response to these things. If, if there is actually hope in Jesus, then there should be a result of that hope that works its way out in your life. If there is actually any comfort in the love of God, then it should cause you to do something about it. 
If there is any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, right, it should, you shouldn't just be able to just sit around and do the church thing. It should do something in you. If, if there's any actual love in this thing, it should motivate us to something else. If there's any mercy, forgiveness from God, then, then it should do something in us. Well, what, he, what he's saying here is that, that, that faith that doesn't affect us isn't really even faith at all, is it? You're right. Like if you believe you're on fire, hopefully you're smart enough to do something about it. Right. I'm going to try to get that out. I'm going to stop, drop, roll, do that whole thing. I'm going to get somebody to get some water. If I'm on fire and I believe I'm on fire, I'm going to do something. Maybe I'm really not even on fire, but I'm going to do something about it if I think I'm on fire. And he's saying it's the same way with Jesus. If there's actually anything to this Jesus thing, it should affect your life. Now, what's crazy about that is who's he talking to? The church, he's not writing this letter to a group of lost people out there. This is not a go preach at Food City kind of message. It's a message that's meant to be heard inside of a group of people that call themselves the church. And what that means is, A, we're not very good at it and neither were they. What would be the point in writing it if everybody was doing it, right? Can I just say this morning, God wouldn't have me teaching this if everybody had this. Right? I think sometimes we're coming, we're like, I'm saved. I'm just doing the thing. I'm just, I know I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to sing the songs. And then I got to be there for the message. I don't have to be engaged in the message, but I got to be there for the message. I'm going to do the response, and then I'm out. And that's not what God's called you to. And if that's what you're doing, then maybe you're not even part of the church. Because a faith that doesn't cause an effect isn't a faith at all. You're just playing church. And he's saying to us through this letter and, and through the hopefully mouthpiece of God today that our faith should cause an effect. If there's anything to this Jesus thing, it should do something beyond Sunday morning. Amen. And then Paul says this, right? If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection, if any mercy, says this, fulfill my joy. Now this is not saying make me happy. I just put that there? That's not what Paul's saying. He's not writing to the church and saying, here's the supreme motivation for following Jesus. Make Paul happy. You know why? Because who's Paul really at the end of the day? I mean, to us, right, he looks like a pretty big deal. He wrote a lot of the Bible. God used him to do amazing things. Planted some churches, shepherded lots of churches, spread the gospel to different areas. He'd done things that we would, would probably never even dream of in our life, although are very accessible to us. But at the end of the day, what is Paul? He's a guy that used to not follow Jesus, and then Jesus showed up, and then he began to follow Jesus in a radical way, something that's open to all of us, and he was used because he began to follow in a radical way, in a radical way. But Paul is, at the end of the day, just a guy like me and you. Got bones, flesh, blood, just a man. He's not Jesus, and he's not the motivation for following Jesus. At the end of the day, if the motivation for the Philippian church was making Paul happy, um, that's not very good motivation because Paul's going to die and then just do what you want, right? Now, can I just say to you today, um, you will never follow Jesus because of somebody else's faith for very long. I just want to say that in the room today because some of you guys are living off mom and dad's faith and I just want you to know you got to have your own faith because eventually mom and dad are not going to motivate you to follow God in a real and meaningful way. 
It's just not going to happen. Some of you are living off grandma, grandpa's faith, and I just want you to know today, that's not going to motivate you to follow God in a real and meaningful way. It's not going to do it. Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend's faith, it's not going to do it. Husband, wife's faith, it's not going to do it. You've got to have faith, and that faith has to be your own. Paul wasn't saying you should follow Jesus because it makes me happy. He was just pointing out the fact here to the church that he has a vested interest in what they're doing. I'm, I'm shepherding you. I love you guys. I want what's best for you. What would make me the happiest on the planet is if you could get this, is what he's saying. If we could all come to this idea that faith isn't just something we do on Sundays. It's not just the dance, the game that we play. If I'm going to go to church, I'm going to sing the songs. And we could get this idea that a faith that doesn't cause an effect in our life is not faith at all. If we could just all get that and come around that, man, I would be the happiest person on the planet. This is what God wants for us, is what he's saying. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection, any mercy, he says this, fulfill my joy, here's how, by thinking the same way, by having unity in thought, is what he's saying. Can I just say what he's not saying? Everybody has to like the color red. Really, you know why he's not saying that? Because who cares? Is that an eternal thing? No, it's not. You're not going to go to heaven more because you like blue and less because you like red. That's not how that works, right? There's not like an odds game that we play there. You don't have to like chicken, okay? If we're Baptist today, maybe that's a requirement for the Baptist church, but it's not for this place. You don't, you don't have to like chicken. It's okay if you don't. We're not going to throw you out. You, you, all of our opinions and our thoughts don't have to be the same. That's not what he's saying. When he says be unified in thought, he's not saying, I want everybody to be clone babies that think exactly the same way. It's like a hive mindset in the church. That's not, not what he's saying. Everybody wears the same kind of clothes. Everybody gets the same haircut. Everybody, he's not saying that. But what he's saying is that, that, we, that we come around these, these big issues, these values together, and we value the same thing. That we value Christ in this place, right? It's not like, ah, oh, some of us, we, we value Christ, and some of us, we value this little segment of what we think, and some of us value this little segment. He's just saying be unified in thought. Have the same values in this place, right? Or value literally the same things. And he says, having the same love. Having the same love. Now, I think this could mean two different things. Um, we talked about treasuring God the other day, right? That was the thing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we talked about treasuring God the other day, that God could be our treasure. And what he's saying here is that as a church, we should fix our eyes on, on God. That we should have the same love. You read in Revelation, there's a church that lost their first love. They're doing all kinds of great church things, right? They're, they're ministering. They're out there winning the world. They're singing the best Chris Tomlin songs. They, like, that's them. They're doing all the right church stuff. But it says that I have one thing against you, and it's this, that you've lost your first love. Well, what's your first love? Oh, we love preaching. That's not it. Oh, we love the songs. That's not it. We love the big building. That's not it. That's not what he's called us to love. What are we even called to love above everything else? God. And second is people, right? 
So we're to have the same love, and that love is the first love. We're supposed to all come around this love for God, that we're supposed to literally, as a church, be in love with God. If we could get our eyes fixed on that, we would never have to worry about anything else. That's why when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment, what's he say? Love God. And he just qualifies it, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can I just wrap that up in a bow real quick for you instead of preaching Mark 12? Um, That means that with everything we got, we're supposed to love God. And he says the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself, to love people. So when he says to have the same love, what he's saying is to, is to fix our eyes on God as a church, to love God together. And, and I think what he also means here is, is that we're supposed to love each other in the same way. I think it's in James, right? There's people that come into the church, some rich people, and they get like the best seats in the church. And the poor people, they're like, push them in the back of the room because, you know, you smell funny and you look funny. We want you back there. But all the people that are going to be big givers, we want you in the front. And he confronts, James confronts that. He's like, no, it's not, that's not the way of the gospel, is it? So I think in, in a second way, what he's saying here is that we love everybody in, in the church the same. That it's not like those are my best friends and those are the people I don't like. No, it's the same love. Share the same love. Or those are the people that look like me and those are the people that don't. know. he's like, share the same love. You're supposed to love the people around you in the same way. It's not what they can do for you, which is the motivation for false love. But it's what we can do for them, which is real love, which is the love that Jesus displayed, right? And that's the love the church should display, not, oh, they make me feel good. No, it's I want to make them feel good. Yeah. That's, that's Christian love, right? And he says, share the same love. He says, sharing the same feelings, right? Now, it took me a minute because like, <laughs> I'm not a feelings guy, so I don't, it took me a minute to pray about this one. Um, but you remember, I think it was last week when we were reading, we were talking about the puzzle pieces. It says when one member suffers, all the members suffer. And when one member rejoices, all the members rejoice. I think this is what it's talking about. That we should be so invested in those around us in the church that when somebody's hurting, we're, we're literally hurting with them. Right? Not one of those passive, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. It doesn't affect me. I don't really care. I'm not going to remember it 30 seconds from now. But, but, but I'll pray for you. Not really. But I'll say that I'll pray for you. You've done that, right? I've done that. But that's not what we're called to. He says that we should be so invested in those things around us that when one of the members of the body are hurting, that we should literally hurt with them. But the other way, that when one of the members is rejoicing, that we should, always, uh, we should also rejoice with them. That's what he's talking about here when he's saying sharing the same feelings. We, not we have to feel the same way about everything, not this clone photocopied thing, but, but we should be invested in those around us is what he's saying. Focusing on what? One goal. Focusing on one goal. Not focusing on 27 goals. Not everybody split, run in their own direction. Not this is my area of ministry and that's your area of ministry and we'll just minister differently. And what I love about this is, again, he's not writing this to like an overflow. He's writing this to a Knoxville. He's not writing this to a Baptist church versus a Methodist church. He's writing this to a global church. And he says, focus on one goal. It's not about your ministry. It's about ministry, but it's not about your ministry. It's about the ministry. Can I just, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything that's not this ministry in the church is a lie. 
And it doesn't matter how pretty it is or how successful it is. If this is not the goal and the focus, then it's a waste of time and it's a lie. So what, what is the ministry? Well, the ministry is what Jesus gave us several times before he left the planet. But what we would know is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, right? And he says, go, right? Not gather, right? But go and make disciples, that's the ministry. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then what? Teaching them everything I've commanded. That's, that's the ministry, just in a nutshell, that he's talking about here. The one goal is to make disciples and teach disciples. Everything else in the church is a waste of time. If the heart of it is not, I want to see people come to know Jesus, or I want to teach the saints... It's a waste of time because that's the only ministry we've been given, right? Like, like I know we're all into this community thing in the church today, right? Like community, we want to, I love community. I think community is a valuable part of what the church does, but it's not the goal of what the church does. It's something that flows out of the goal of what the church does. Community happens best when we're doing one thing together, right? And that thing is making disciples, seeing people come to know Jesus. It's something the church, I'll be honest, doesn't care about today. We're like, oh, somebody came down and got saved this morning. Well, that's great. They were headed that way because their parents brought them to church. Your neighbor, though, who's never been to church, who's probably never coming back in church, that's actually who Jesus is concerned about today. Real talk, right? And muffin party at 3 o'clock at Jenny's house ain't going to get that done, maybe. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But unless the goal of that thing, and it can be, right, is to bring people who are lost that maybe won't step into the context of the church, but maybe we'll step into Muffin Party for them to hear the gospel, which means you actually have to talk about the gospel there and come to know Jesus. It's not a ministry, right? It's just true. Sharing our feelings and our thoughts, that's a thing we can do. It's not a ministry. Ministry, the one goal of the church, and this is where we get screwed up, right? Because we become about my Sunday school class or my thing over here or my music or my teaching or my whatever blank ministry you want to put on it. We become about that. We lose the fact that it's all about the same thing and we're all working together anyway on it, right? Like as long as Green Acres, I'm going to use them because they're across the street. I don't know anybody at Green Acres. Love you guys if you're listening. Probably, maybe, you know, never know. Um, but they're not our enemy today. We're not against them today. As long as their goal today is I want to see people come to know Jesus and I want to teach the saints, then, then, then we're together. And that's what he's saying here. In, in this place, we're together. I don't have to fight because you didn't put that chair back exactly where I wanted it, right? I can move a chair. I've been gifted with that ability. That's my spiritual gift, so I'll just move it back. You don't worry about it. I'll get it back where it's supposed to go, or you didn't sweep. Well, maybe that's not your spiritual gift, and we'll talk about that. But, but that's, that's not the goal, is it? Because the goal, right, if we focus on the goal, the goal is just that we'd see people come to know Jesus or we'd teach the saints, and that's what he's saying. That's, that's the goal today. And he says the church should do more focusing on one goal. You know when churches fight the most is when we lose the goal. You know why the church is known for everything but loving each other today? It's because we lost the goal like years and years and years ago. And we were like, oh, come to church. Come to church is not the goal. Build the big building is not the goal. 
have a little train station that gets people from your parking lot to your monastery. That's not the goal today. That'd be awesome if we'd look like Disney World. I love Disney World, but that's not the goal of the church, is it? The goal of the church is what? Big churches, little churches, house churches, cathedral churches. It should be this one thing. And I'll be honest, because we talked about this last week, right? We said there are sometimes good reasons to leave a church. If that's not the goal of the church you're at, then leave the church. Don't be there. Either help change it, and if they won't let you help change it, then don't be there. Go find somewhere that that's the goal, because they're not doing what God's called them to do. This is having one goal. This is do nothing out of rivalry. I think we have that one back there. That rivalry back there. Rivalry is competition for the same objective or superiority in the same field. We, we, don't, we don't compete here. And by here, I mean the church, not overflow, but just globally. If it, your church is competing with other churches, then they have it wrong. They're wasting time. It's not a competition to see who can have the biggest parking lot. This is it's not a competition. We don't do things out of this competitive spirit. That's what the world does, not what the church does. Or conceit. We got conceit. It's excessive pride in oneself. We don't do things because it makes us look good. If you're ministering, so people say, oh, it's so sweet. I can't believe you do that. You're wasting your time. God's not pleased with that. If you're doing it so people are like, oh, you're such a good Christian. You're wasting your time. God's not pleased with that. Then have anything to do with that. But it says this, but in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Now, humility, I don't think I sent you this one, so I'm just going to do it because I know what it means. Humility, I think sometimes we get switched around and we think what humility means is I'm going to cut myself down. That is not humility. It's pride masked in humility. Because what you want people to do is, oh, you're not that. You're not bad. You're good. You, you do such a great job. That, that's just another version of pride. You just took it the wrong direction. Humility is not I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. I'm so bad at everything. If you do that, that's, that's just pride. You're just looking for compliments. Humility is... I'm going to put others before me, not I'm going to put myself down. You don't have to put yourself down to put others before you. You can actually be great at stuff and be humble. Do you know that? You could be the best architect in the world. Just pick, I don't think we have architects, so I just pick something so people know what I'm talking about. You, um, <laughs> you could be the best architect in the world and still be like, you should take a look at his idea. You could do that, right? You're not saying, my stuff's junk. You're saying, what do you think? That's humility. What, what do you think? How would you do that? And maybe it's not a good idea. And maybe you could have done it better, but at least you give somebody a voice, right? Humility is not, I'm dumb. It's, let's hear what other people have to say. Let's see what somebody else needs. Let's see what somebody else desires. And he says, that should be the idea of the church, that we put other people first. I'll be honest, everything above this would change if we could even get that one. What are most of the fights about in church? I don't like that song. That's not humility. Nobody cares if you like that song. Maybe somebody does. That's not the right version of the Bible. Which one did Jesus use? Pick that up and read it. If you can't, we'll read any of them, right? If you can go back to the original, do that. If you can't, who cares? King James, I'm going to be honest, I love you, is a translation anyway. 
Jesus did not buy it at Lifeway, did he, Caleb? No. <laughs> Humility is, it's not all about my wants. And that, that would change everything, I think, for the church right there. It says, in humility, consider others more important than yourself. And then he says this, it's radical. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest. doesn't say you can't be about your interest, does it? It just says you can't only be about your interest. But also, in turn, for the interest of others. It's not just about me. Newsflash today, it's not just about you, right? Not just about me, also not just about you. Now, what's crazy about this is, like, this is so anti what we see in the church today, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Like, let's just be honest. Every church I've ever been to, this has not been what I've seen. And I've been to some good churches. I've heard really good preachers, and I've heard really good worship, and I've been part of those things. But this is so anti every church I've ever been part of, because every church I've ever been part of has been part of people, right? There are people in churches, and just like we talked about like the other day, right? Like maybe you got some puzzle pieces that are clicking and they're like, man, I get this. And it's, it is about other people. I'm not worried about it. But doesn't it seem like you always hear from the pieces of the puzzle that like don't like anything? Amen. Can I just say like <laughs> if you're in the part of the puzzle that like you're good. Great. If you're in the part of the puzzle that for some reason thinks you're the most important part of the puzzle, you're not good. And we need to really look at this because here, here's the thing. What the world sees is the church may just be the minority of the people in the building. But it's still what the whole place gets labeled as, right? I went to some horrible business meetings and I'll be honest, 90% of the people just sat there and watched. And 10% of the people yelled at each other and told the other people how dumb their opinion was. Unfortunately, sometimes those people are like trustees or deacons or pastor or student You know, like sometimes those are, those are the voices that are also on stage, which there's some debate on whether that should be a thing too. But I feel like if everybody in the room could just come around this passage right like if every church on the planet could just come around this passage then maybe we would get unfocused on the things that don't matter and we would go back to the things that do i'm just going to ask you a question um eternally does it matter if we have red carpet or gray carpet or green carpet or blue carpet is that going to lead more people or less people to jesus then it doesn't really matter does it but people split churches over it Eternally, does it matter if we sing old songs, new songs, in-between songs, southern gospel, techno-Christian? Like, does it matter eternally? Not if the words are about Jesus, right? It doesn't matter if I like it or not. Just it's, If it's about Jesus and it reaches somebody, then it's good. I, I'm not a rap fan. Maybe that just turned 14% of you off because I think about that many of us probably might like rap. Um I'm not, I'm not a rap fan, but did you know there are Christian rappers? And I've sat and listened to them. And I don't understand every word, but I see people that do, and it does something for them. 
So I don't have to like rap as long as that guy is connecting with Jesus. It doesn't matter. I can do the thing, right? I look stupid. I play along because he's getting something out of it. That's that's this passage. It's not about what I want. It's about what would build up the church and aim us towards that goal and help my brother in the same moment. And what he's saying here is, if Jesus is really in us, if we really have a faith in Jesus, then we should really act like it and look like it. We should have a cause and effect faith, a faith that causes an effect in our life. I'll be honest with you today. um, How many of us wouldn't love to be part of a church that was just like that, right? I I would. I I don't know about you. I would love to be part of a church that's just like that, that, that is marked with people that don't compete and don't do things to look good. That's marked by people that that consider other people first. That's not about their opinion and their thoughts. I would love to be part of a church that has one goal. That's like, you know what? The gospel is the central thing in in the universe. That, That when Jesus came and Jesus died, he set up a way that every person that would ever breathe would have a way to heaven. And and he's invited me to be part of that. And I just can't wait to be part of that. I would love to be part of a church that was like that. Wouldn't you? A church that valued A, teaching the saints, but B, the saints valued learning. I would love to be part of that. Wouldn't you? I think we can all look at that and agree, like, man, that's that's the idea church today. But here's what I think is amazing about that today. Most of us would agree, right, that that's the church that we would love to be part of today, but there are so many of us that maybe are not willing to be the church that we want to be part of today. See, that's how it works, right? Like, based off last week, it's not just about what the top little corner puzzle piece does or what the little eye of the little snow leopard does. It's not just about one or two pieces. It's about the whole puzzle, and until the whole puzzle comes together, even if it's just one puzzle piece... We could never be that place. We could never be that place. Wouldn't it be cool to be part of a church that like the gospel was the central mission of the whole church again? Anybody? I'm asking for real responses at this point in the game. Like, um, I just, I would love that, right? Like if everything we did was not, I want to get fed. I'll be honest, if you can't feed yourself by now, there's probably an issue anyway. Babies shouldn't stay babies forever. You've been saved two, three, four years. You should be eating with a spoon. You should be eating some solid things. You've been saved 20 years. You should, you should be feeding other people by now. Wouldn't that be cool to be part of that church? It'd be cool to be part of a church that, that, that had a heart for those people out there, not like just what's in here, right? Like we should love the people in here and we should, we should interact and invest in the people in this place. That's called Christian community and we were meant to exist in community. We'll never do anything good without unity and community. It's not, it's not even a possibility today. Like two or three people can't do it. That's why most churches are struggling today is because 14% of the people are doing all the work and everybody else sitting around watching saying, I don't like that song. 
I would love to be part of the church that said, you know what, like I was planted in this neighborhood for this reason so that my neighbor and my neighbor's neighbor and my neighbor's neighbor's neighbor may know Jesus. And I'm going to figure out a way to interact with those people in a way that they would do that. I'm going to be part of a church that doesn't just come to church, but invest in church and invites people to church and like works in the church. I'm going to be part of that church. I'm going to be part of a church that, that says, you know what, I, I want to be part of a church that teaches the saints, but I want to be a saint that's teachable too. See, it works both ways, doesn't it? Oh, we don't have enough things. Well, are you even doing the things that we do, right? Let's just get another program. Yeah, so three people can come. Let's do that. See, the reality today is we can be exactly what kind of church we want to be, but you have to be the church that you want to be. You can't just sit around and talk about other people for not being the church that you want to be. You are part of the church. You're a puzzle piece. If you think we should be part of a friendlier church, be friendly. It'll change things today. If you think we should be part of a church that, that worships in a greater way, well, why don't you worship in a greater way? Maybe somebody will come with you. If, if you think we should be part of a church that should interact with people for the sake of the gospel, who'd you interact with last for the sake of the gospel? Do it. Maybe somebody will come with you. Right? See, the, the reality of the church is today, it's not about what the preacher does and says. I'm just a guy with a different spiritual gift than you. This is just a place that God allows me to be, and I get to teach one time a week, and that's amazing for me, and thank God for that. I don't have any special power. Who was Paul, Right? Who is Brad? He's a guy that struggles through life just like you do, trying to do the thing. And on Sundays, he gets to get up and just share what God said to him through the week. And that's amazing. But I'm not the rudder to this ship. That's God. And today, whatever God's telling you, right? Like, I want to be part of blank church. Well, maybe he's called you to fill in that blank for the church. So today, what kind of church do you want to be part of? And are you doing what you want to see? If not today, um, man, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to see it? God's put it in your heart, he's probably called you to it. For part of a forgiving church, we'll forgive. Loving church, love. Friendly church, be friendly. Reaching church, go reach.